Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts together be acceptable in your sight. Through Christ Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Years ago, the comedian John Stewart, himself a a man of Jewish descent, was talking to an audience and was joking about the fact that three of the most prevalent uh, historic religions on the face of the earth, Islam and Judaism and Christianity, all had their origins in a tiny little piece of real estate uh, in the land of Canaan, and we now call Palestine in Israel. And he said, in fact, they all began within just a few miles of each other, a few blocks of each other. This, this. And then he stopped and he said, my gosh, you know, Muhammad, Jesus, and Abraham all went to the same high school. <laughs> Proximity. It's a, it's a strange thing. When we live in a world that talks about the differences between everyone. It's a strange thing to go back and to read a story like the story of Abram and Sarai and realize that God has been spending most of the time that we know as history trying to bring people together. That God has been faithful in covenant with us. Not because of our behavior or because of our beliefs or because of our initiative or because of our strength, but because of the nature of God and who God is. God has been bound to us in covenant faithfulness. The invitation is there for whoever will to come and share the heart of God together. And what kind of a heart of God? I mean, when you read the stuff between Noah that we looked at last week and God's grand covenant with all of creation that he would never destroy the whole project, um, but would keep it going, that God made covenant, never again will I flood the earth, never again will I bring the chaos. Now, from now on, I will keep my covenant with all of creation And when you read from there to where we are today in Genesis, you begin to read the story of this man named Abram who lived in the land of of Ur of the Chaldees and he looked up in the stars one night and God said, see all the stars, can you count them? And Abram says, I cannot. And he said, so, so I will make your descendants too numerous to count more than the grains of the sand on the beach. And Abram said, sounds good to me. So he said, pack up your family then and go to the land that I will show you. And Abram became this wandering Aramean, just going all around, making his way down from Mesopotamia all the way down to where Palestine or Canaan is. And all along the way, the the spicy things that start to happen. At one point, he comes into a a place where there's a mighty king and 
The king looks at his beautiful wife, Sarai, and says, she looks great to me. And, and Abram, fearing for his life, says, well, she, uh, she's my sister. <laughs> why, don't you just, why don't you just let her live in your harem? And you scratch your head and say, what? Uh, but he was trying to save his life. He was trying to do what he could to keep on surviving. He, he was given a promise by God, and he wanted to see that promise through to its fulfillment. So Abram does these surprising things here and there, and you begin to realize that this, this guy, well, he's just human like all of us. And God is still keeping faith with Abraham. Our story this morning begins with the words, when Abram was 99 years old and his wife Sarai was 90, the Lord appeared. He began to tell Abram that the time was now ready for God to make a covenant with him. And he says, I will no longer call your name Abram, which means an exalted ancestor, but I will call your name Abraham, which means the ancestor of a multitude. Ancestor of a multitude. And he goes on to establish this covenant, which for the Hebrew people they call the, the covenant of circumcision. Because the sign that was given to Abram at that time was that all the males in the community would be circumcised. And that would become a sign that they were bound in covenant to God. It's the Bible's way of reminding us that whatever we say we believe about God, whatever we say that is our faith and, and confession in the Lord, it has to somehow be done as well. And so, in this ritualized act of circumcision, they, are, they have become the covenant people of God. What are we supposed to do with that? God goes on to promise. And as for your wife, Sarah, Sarai, you will no longer call her Sarai, but Sarah. And she will give you a child. You will have a child by her. Now, Abram at this point had already kind of given up on the whole multitude idea. And he had taken his wife's handmaid to his bed. And he had produced a son named Ishmael by the handmaid. And God now says, but that's not the end of the story for you, Abram. You and Sarai are going to have a child. The scriptures go on to say, after where George left off, that Sarah immediately fell on her face and laughed. Um, she says, I'm 90 years old. He's almost 100 years old. Are we going to have no pleasure after all that time? I don't think so. But a year later, the impossible happened and Isaac was born. God began a covenant with Abram. After Sarah passed away some years later, Abram took one more wife, 
and a whole other tribe of Midianites were born from that offspring. There was already a multitude of nations being formed. And we don't look to Abram for his morality or his righteousness. We don't look to a certain bloodline as being particularly special to God. What we look to are these people who have lived in covenant with God. As people who are going to reveal the covenant fidelity of God's own self. I guess what I'm trying to say, friends, in this rambling sort of way is that these scriptures that deal with the covenant faithfulness of God in the Old Testament are meant to be a portrait of God, not a portrait of us. They're a portrait of the faithfulness of God and the desire of God to love his people. For Christians, baptism has become a symbol which, uh, which betokens the initiation of God's faithful people into the Christian community. It is for us like a circumcision. Paul would call it a circumcision of the heart. You know, when the, when the earliest followers of Jesus began to preach and teach, Paul said, now my mission is to take this message to the Gentile nations. And as soon as he began to do that, he began to see people filled with the Holy Spirit of God as they were receiving the message of Jesus and his salvation. And as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, he said, let's baptize them. And immediately back home in Jerusalem, where the earliest followers of Jesus were, they began to protest and say, you can't become baptized into Christ until you first become a Jew. Let them be circumcised first. Paul had a long argument in Jerusalem over this. At the end of the day, they said, you know what? You don't have to convert to Judaism first. Because it was the faith of Abraham to follow God in the first place that God counted as righteousness. It was the work that God did in Abraham that allowed that righteousness to flourish. And so, so long as people have faith in Christ, truly believe and have received the Spirit, so long as they refrain from eating meat that has been sacrificed to idols, they don't need to be uh, circumcised. They don't need to be eating kosher. They don't need to convert to Judaism first. They just need to belong to Christ. It's a bold statement. Sometimes I see the church struggling when we find the outward symbols of our faith becoming more important to us than the thing they are meant to symbolize. The same as from time to time for our brothers and sisters from the Hebrew faith, the outward symbols of their faith become more important than the thing they symbolize. Or that the, the rules, regulations, of those who have come down through the years, when they become more important than the covenant relationship itself, they, they become a problem for us. What am I trying to say? That, that God is creating this covenant not to layer rules upon us or give us 
particular things to do, but so that we will have the same desire in our hearts that God has in the heart of God. And that's what this is a story about. That God has this desire to know his people. That the Jewish faith was established in Abraham not because these were particularly special people, but because God was going to show through them his particularly special love for his creation. This is what it's like when you live in a covenant with me. Who's in? This is what it's like when the God of scriptures loves you. Who's in? This is what it's like when the one who created the sun and the moon and the stars, these majestic mountains that ring us round here in Southern California and the seas which stretch out with such vastness that we cannot comprehend it. That God has a desire to know us, to love us, to embrace us, to have a relationship with us. Who's in? We read these stories of Abram and Sarah as people who have been invited into the covenant as well. We read them as not people who are at a far off distant place from us on the human spectrum, but as people who are our ancestors. This hit me so powerfully as a young Christian man. It's an odd sort of thing, I suppose, but I ended up getting baptized on the same day that I was married. Um, that was a, a big day uh, in all kinds of ways. My beautiful wife, Judy, had been uh, raised up in the Episcopal Church. and She and I uh, had found each other by God's grace and love, and we had a powerful relationship of prayer and of mutual support and that blossomed for us in college. I had been raised by parents who taught me to pray at, before meals and at bedtime and who talked a lot about God but didn't take us to church when I was a child. And they didn't have us baptized as infants, my siblings and I. They sort of wanted to leave the choice to us, was the way they put it. But the real truth is, I didn't go to church as a child because I screamed and cried in the nursery so often that they had to come get my mom and take her to, get, to find me. And eventually my parents just thought it was a whole lot easier to stay home. Um, so it was my fault, I suppose. But as God continued to speak to my life, that one who keeps covenant so faithfully, began to work through the prayers and other things and began to establish a clearer presence and relationship with me. And when I got to college, that finally blossomed open and I began to understand who Jesus was. And I, I, I took to my prayer time with my wife so intensely. Then we got to the Episcopal Church and we wanted to have communion as part of our wedding ceremony. This is how God is so faithful sometimes. It turns out that if you cannot, if you have not been uh, uh, 
baptized as a Christian, you're not supposed to take communion in the Episcopal Church. So we had planned to have communion that day, and then it came out at the rehearsal that I hadn't been baptized yet. So I asked the, the priest who was presiding of, over, over the wedding, Reverend Pauling James, do you think in the morning I could actually receive the water of baptism so that I can have communion with my wife? And he said, of course, of course. And so a handful of us, my parents, we all came down to the church early in the morning and they baptized me there. Here's the amazing thing. I have an extraordinary family. My birth family and lineage, they're extraordinary people. But as I was baptized that day, mind you, Christ had got my heart. Christ had saved my life. Christ had established himself with me, but as I received in obedience the water of my baptism that day, all of a sudden this scrapbook opened up in front of me, full of names like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Rebecca, Sarah, Leah, Miriam, Moses, all of these people, and God said, these are your people. You're part of this family now. They are connected to you, and you are connected. And there was this kind of rootless floating that I had been going through in my life that just suddenly grounded itself all the way back to this covenant we're talking about this morning. I hope that makes sense to you, because it's the same for every one of us. We are rooted and grounded in the faithfulness of God. His grace providing this rich, loamy soil in which the roots of our faith can go down and go down and go down until His Spirit wells up within us and we be begin to bear fruit in our lives. We are who we are because of the covenant faithfulness of God. Such is His grace and His miraculous love that people of many different tribes are all included in that grace. I want to especially say to people this morning who are here, who might be struggling over whether you are, have been personally righteous, personally faithful, personally obedient, whether you've accomplished all of your life goals or, or not, whether you're thinking, if you're thinking that that's somehow going to be a barrier to receiving all the promises of God, I want to invite you to let that go this morning. God is keeping covenant with you. It's in his nature to love you. Don't need to put up any more barriers in front of that. Just let them down. Just receive him. Receive his grace. Receive his love. In the name of Jesus, we have become children of this very covenant that we're talking about.
And this is not our own doing, but this is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Amen.